0: Another late recording,
1: all thanks to you. Late? Yeah. yeah, this is early in the day. Early in the day, but late in the week. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, because I don't think I told you what I went through the past week. So I can, maybe we can start out with that story. <clears throat> what did you go through? Well, um, so we had a bit of a fire drill, um, which involved me building a proof of, not, not just me, but me being involved in building a proof of concept. Quote, unquote. I'll just leave it at that. So free work? <clears throat> I only want to get into it. <laughs> um, over, so Thanksgiving week, mm-hmm. including Thanksgiving day and the whole weekend. I think I put in like 70 hours Thanksgiving week. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I did the same. I worked every day. And then, it does not make me feel better, but I do feel bad for you. Well, then I equally feel bad for okay. you. because I, I can relate. <laughs> and then, so on Monday... Uh, this Monday, I flew out to because um, I had to demo this thing in person. Mm-hmm. So I flew out Monday afternoon. Uh, stayed up all night Monday night. Where'd you fly out to? I didn't even realize you flew this week. DC. Oh, you did tell me that, but I, I didn't.
0: I uh, just wasn't thinking. Yeah.
1: Uh, demo Tuesday morning. I had a you know met all Tuesday morning, and and it was it was good. I mean, it 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 all went well, but.
0: No blistering or death while on stage. No, no uh, cracked windshields while on stage. None of that.
1: <laughs> cracked windshields. <laughs> nope. Um, it went well. It just it, I don't ever want to do that again. I'm like, uh, we gotta, we gotta work on that, you know. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was kind of unavoidable. It's one of those things like we definitely don't want to work that way, mm-hmm. but we kind of found ourselves in a situation where we needed to do the best we could. So do you, when
0: do you find out if you if this little uh, thing went well? Um, I mean, I know you said it went well, but how do you know if they think it went well? Yeah,
1: yeah. Really, really soon.
0: So fingers crossed, toes crossed, arms crossed, everything yeah. crossed?
1: <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> Say a prayer to the whatever gods are in control of this stuff. Uh, Benny, off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's in control of this or not. Yeah. Anyway. Um so yeah, and I've it took me. A, I you know flew back Tuesday night, and it was just totally like so tired and exhausted that I couldn't get to sleep. You know, you mm-hmm. and and and, yeah. and and what is it Friday now? I think yesterday I started feeling human again. Well, you've you've also been fighting a bit of a cold or sickness oh, yeah. or something. You've yeah. been congested. Well, and when you do this, you're you're not going to get healthy. Yeah, you just stay sick or get sicker. You know, flying on oh, yeah. airplanes, fart tubes. Yeah. Even, you know. Yeah, I always, hate, recycled I, I always hate when the kids go
0: back to school from, from a vacation because I just know other kids who have been around other kids and other family have traveled and did all that kind of stuff that somebody's coming back with something and it was just, I've, I've been mandating everyone to wash everything when they get home. Yeah. If I could, I'd make them change their clothes and everything. <laughs> right. Like strip down, quarantine
1: zone, go clean up. Now you can be in my house. You know? Well, anytime I'm on an airplane, when I get home, the first thing I do is change. Yeah, I'm off for a shower when I get back. Yeah. Why? What is it that what is it about flying on an airplane that makes you just feel greasy and gross? It's that
0: recycled air, I guess. I don't know. It's the change in humidity, the change in temperature. I don't know. It, it's oh, I've never felt good after flying. Yeah. In fact, like when I travel, when I used to travel a lot, <clears throat> I would always, I'd never go out on the first day I get there. I'd always try to get there so that I was there the night before. And my routine was that I would stay in the room, I would order room service because I didn't want to go anywhere, I'd eat something, because inevitably I haven't eaten anything all day. And I'd eat room service, whatever it is, I don't care how expensive it is, I just, I
1: need to eat and I need to get clean. Yeah. Another part of, I guess, for me anyway, and this, this might be self-imposed, but that, that's not healthy about traveling, is I do the thing where, like at least an hour, maybe two hours before the flight, I start dehydrating myself. So that right before I get on the airplane, I go to the bathroom. And I can make it to wherever I'm going without having to use the bathroom on the airplane. You know, I, I used to subscribe to that
0: one time. I was, I forgot where I was flying to, but I ended up in business class with a, with a food option. And I took it. Mm -hmm. And after that flight, I felt the best I've ever had off of a plane. I guess it was because I ate something and I drank something. I've never felt better after flying. Hmm. And so now I'm like, I, maybe I need to do this 180 thing. Cause I do that. I starve myself and I dehydrate myself cause I do not want to touch those bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this one flight I ate and drank something in the middle of like, I think it was like a four hour flight or something or three hour flight. I don't
1: remember what it was. Um, but I felt great afterwards. Well, you were also in business class so you probably had more room and you were more comfortable, right? Maybe. So, that's it could, you know, it's probably it was probably everything. I mean, that's why yeah. that's why business class or first class is kind of expensive because it's, you know, I don't know.
0: Oh, maybe there's a different air up there or something. Either way, it was it was I I, I want to do that again because it was the I felt so so I felt better than I normally do after a yeah. flight. Well, maybe one of these days I'll be important enough that I always get to upgrade and people won't people
1: don't complain about it. I didn't it. <laughs> pay for this. I,
0: I think I'd bought like a normal ticket full price and I got bumped into it. Yeah. Which was nice mm. since everyone else has probably paid half the price for the ticket that I did,
1: but Yeah. I've I've flown first class probably two or three times in my entire life, and they've all been because it was the only seat left and they and I guess there was no one eligible for upgrades. I don't know why. And I I get put up there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's well, see, you, your contract. Oh, thank you. Uh, I mean, it's just business. You know, we do this crap all the time. Um, well, what what do we have on our uh, topic list today? Well, we have a community topic. We have a Dreamforce topic.
0: We have a pilot, I'll call it, of a new segment I want to try. Okay. And uh, I don't know. We had, we had quarterly results. I don't know if you want to get into that. I, there, were, there were lowering of expectations. And uh, yeah, I mean, couple... it, it was kind of fun to see the media. I guess we're getting into it. It's okay. kind of fun to see the media kind of, kind of shill for Salesforce. You know, kind of do that protectionist thing they do. Oh, it's not that bad. Or It's not this. Or it's not that. Or it's it's they're just. It was just like, come on, guys, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's they currency headwinds. They spent a ton of money, <laughs> and it's going to impact them. It's okay. Yeah, you don't have to, you know, sing the song and dance of how everything's rosy and, and hide the fact that yeah, they're they're not going to, you know, they they're, they're going to struggle a bit for a bit. Yeah, you know, we all do that, right? We, we overspend, and we have to we have to pay it down.
1: Yeah, there's there's definitely the, the certain elements of the financial uh, press, I think, that are very much in with Salesforce. But
0: it's funny that you know, even on something like this, like you didn't have to. We all saw it coming. They spent a ton of money. They made way more acquisitions than I thought. Bigger acquisitions than I thought they would this year. I think my prediction last year was they were going to really slow down those acquisitions. Yeah, but John. Hang on a second, though.
1: You, so that, you yeah, you, okay, you think, okay, you're going to buy a $16 billion Tableau acquisition. Uh, that's going to be really expensive. That's going to that's hurt, the, hurt the books, right? Mm-hmm. Do oh, you know who paid for the Tableau acquisition? What, Tableau? <laughs> no. Salesforce shareholders. They just printed a bunch of stock. $16 billion of stock. Yeah, but MuleSoft didn't take that deal. No, MuleSoft didn't. They had to put up some cash. In fact, um, I don't know if they ever did raise any money, but they were looking to go, I think, sell some bonds or whatever to raise money for the cash that MuleSoft wanted. Mm. And, and Salesforce has a lot, I mean, they have, I mean, I was looking at their numbers, uh, just kind of skimming over, but they've they they they've been generating a lot of cash. I mean, that's, actually, that's the most positive thing, I think, about the key 3 results that I saw. They're generating a lot of cash, which is always nice, as someone who runs a business, I can tell you. Um, and, and they have a lot, they do have a lot of cash, I mean, I think, relatively speaking, but... Um, yeah, I mean uh, the thing is, you know, just so, just I guess some high level numbers. I mean, they, they're they're of course, what's their stock trading now? Like, it's right around, around, been around one sixty, um, and they're so their EPS came in around seventy five cents mm-hmm. for the quarter. So, <laughs> very minor, right? But that's that's non GAP. Um, GAP EPS was actually negative twelve cents. So GAP speaking, you know, they're still uh, they're still losing money. Um, mm. Well, I shouldn't say still. I, I believe that last year, I, I think I compared the uh, quarter year over year. Mm-hmm. And this quarter last year, they I think they had positive gap EPS. So they've kind of regressed a little bit. And, and I don't know, some of that might just be cost from acquisitions. Who knows? Um, no, we're in a downturn, Jeremy. You didn't read the articles?
0: What kind of downturn? Right? I don't know. I just read it. We're in this downturn. And this I think it was Kramer's
1: article that talked about a downturn. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the stock market's hitting all-time highs. Yeah, well, you it's know, it continues to hit all-time highs. Just you just say words I know, that reflect, you, know, yeah. <laughs> you know, Yeah, Kramer opens his mouth, opens his mouth and just words come out. <laughs> um anyway, let's see. Their stock-based compensation was up a whopping 55% year over year. And and again, that doesn't include. I wish, I wish we had video. By the way,
0: when you say these numbers, you give me these looks, these little squinty really? eye glances to the side. That I I wish we had on video. <laughs> that's funny. So <laughs> that. I had no idea
1: I was doing that. Um, yeah. So their are stock based compensation was up. Uh, yeah, over fifty percent year over year, which is not not in t- proportion to their growth. I don't think so. That's. So they're, they're doing that more, but that's also in addition to the fact that they diluted their shareholders, you know, $17 billion to buy Tableau. So that's a lot of shareholder dilution, which actually affects EPS. I mean, mm-hmm. in fact, maybe that's why EPS is lower than, for example, it was last year because their earnings are being spread across way more shares now because they had to, you know, they're printing a ton of shares. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you don't print. You know, if you if you stop printing shares, then you maybe you have a chance for your EPS to go. But it's it's all a balancing act. I mean, the, you know, that, that's that's the benefit of being public, right? Is that yeah. you, you've got this weird kind of virtual piggy bank that you can. It's like a bottomless piggy bank. Well, they're nice little IOUs for sure. They're no, they're not IOUs. They don't get paid back. It just you know you just have to make sure you don't piss off your investors too much. Yeah, they you know they, they know it's in service of of I mean this is this is a normal part of you know public companies and, and investing in these things like I mean you know that you know the company can can dilute you right but it's to achieve means that the ideas will benefit you as an investor so you sure. have to tolerate some of that you have to tolerate being diluted some because it's in service of growing the company and it being a more valuable company right it's just you know is this stuff in balance or not but I mean. Uh, in general though, though I mean their Salesforce's growth was just, just like off the charts, man. It's it was it like I feel like it was like thirty something percent. But yeah, to your point, they're like I think they just started guidance for, I guess, twenty twenty one. Which yeah. by the way, their twenty their twenty twenty one year is basically twenty twenty, just like their their twenty twenty well, yeah, fiscal year. It starts in February, right? right. So and their they, fiscal year's they use opposite. the ending yeah. whatever year it ends in is that's the fiscal year, but you basically just subtract one from the year and that's the pretty much actual year we're talking about, but yes, yeah, so they've initiated 2021 guidance and it it's just, um, yeah, it's, it was a little, I guess a little disappointing. And you know, if you look at Salesforce's chart for the past year, maybe more, it's really traded sideways. It's kind of gone nowhere. Hmm. And so I think there's, there's some, there's some frustration there, but it is what it is, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're growing like crazy. This, there's also, I noticed that I was, when you look at Salesforce's press release, they all of a sudden now are talking about remaining performance obligations. So we went from talking about, what was it, deferred revenue, and what was their, an unbilled deferred revenue, right? Is that what That's it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now they've gone to, and I think this is because, I think last year there was some new regulation, and so the words changed a little bit, but now it's RPOs. And by that, I don't mean the run pass option. I mean, remaining performance obligation. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, okay. So I actually went and found a a definition, if I can find it. Hopefully I actually saved it. Okay. Here we go. Um, RPO. So remaining performance obligation is the aggregate of deferred revenue and their backlog. Okay. So just for... Um, Just for review sake, let's define deferred revenue. So deferred revenue, sometimes sometimes called unearned revenue, is the amount that has been invoiced to the customer in advance of the work being performed. So with Salesforce, you know, they typically invoice you for the year, you pay that invoice, and then over that remaining year, Salesforce delivers the service. Mm -hmm. So, but until they actually deliver that service month by month by month, anything remaining that they've collected money for that they still haven't delivered is considered deferred revenue. It exists as a liability on the balance sheet because it represents the money collected um, in advance of satisfying your obligation. Okay? Um, the other component of RPO, which is backlog, is, at least in the world of SaaS, um, they don't include it in financial statements, but Salesforce always talks about it because they have good numbers. I mean, I think they should. I mean, again, this is kind of what, this is, this is their currency, right? Mm-hmm. Is their well, deferred revenue, but really this unbilled deferred revenue because um, it it also represents one thing that's interesting about deferred revenue is that it um it really represents their, their cash flow too so salesforce you know they, they have they've done a good job generating a lot of cash cash from operations in particular um even though it's not profitable but they're still like they just the cash keeps growing and growing and growing uh, and that's kind of a good thing <laughs> even though technically <laughs> they're not profitable um but yeah back so backlog represents future performance obligations that haven't been invoiced so it's like it's those years two and three of your three-year contract they mm-hmm. haven't invoiced you yet but anyway so you you add deferred revenue and backlog and that's now your your rpo your remaining performance obligation so i just want to catch everyone up on the lingo yeah <laughs> that, that helps <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway so yeah i guess you know the again the, the too long didn't listen is uh still growing a lot but growing is definitely forecast to be slowing down And profitability is still elusive, or at least consistent profitability is is either negligible or elusive or a little bit negative, depending on whether you want to count uh, diluting your shareholders or not. gap versus Uh non-gap. But, uh, yeah, overall, doing well, growing really fast. I still think if they wanted to, they could just kind of bend that curve and start getting profitable. They just don't want want to. They want to keep putting all the money back into growth. And it's working. I mean, they're growing like crazy. They are acquiring like crazy even though they say they're going to slow down for a little bit which I think is going to be like maybe maybe four to six months I don't you know I think by about Q3 Benyau's going to be itching to go you know on another spending spree he likes he likes spending money
0: (laughs) I just got a weird visual
1: he's just heading down to the to the local mall to to buy some companies you know I mean that's got to be fun though to know you just you bought something for 16 billion dollars that, that. <laughs> yeah, <then. laughs> it'll put a kick in your step, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I
0: don't know if I spent that much money, I'd, I'd be a nervous wreck. I'd be like, <clears> I just spent a <laughs> ton of money.
1: Hey, I need to. Um, be- before I forget, I want to make sure we get this in. Um, mm-hmm. I need to do a PSA. Okay. Um, for Cactus Force. Well, you're already started. Which, by the way, is in um, your old stomping grounds of Phoenix, Arizona. When is it? I need to make a trip out to Phoenix. It is January 17th and 18th. So let me, um, <clears throat> let me read you the the uh, elevator pitch. So Cactus Force is a community conference for Salesforce developers and architects. A gathering of experienced technologists focused on increasing your knowledge and raising your skill level. So it's really, and I'll just editorialize here for a second because I, uh, I've had some conversations with one of the organizers. Um, but it's, it's really geared towards, truly towards like the extracurricular type. And in fact, I think, I mean, they're, they're kind of drawing on some of the themes and principles of the extracurricular. Um, so you're, we're talking about, you know, more advanced scenarios, uh-huh. real world, actual complex um, architectures and builds and things like that. And they're really catering towards or, or targeting, you know, actual developers and architects. In fact, so much so that they are, uh, they're targeting, n- I mean, it's a Salesforce conference, but they're also targeting people who aren't necessarily like fully steeped in the Salesforce world yet. So maybe you're a, you know, you're a .NET or a Java uh, developer and you're, you know, you're interested in Salesforce or your company's, you know, has been deploying Salesforce and been asking you to do some stuff on it, like, you know, that type of thing. So they're um, they're kind of broadening the net a little bit in terms of Salesforce versus non-Salesforce, but it's definitely focused on, you know, developers and architects. Um, So they'll have a three-track event focused on content for developers, architects, and configurators. Uh, The developer track sessions will will dive into the programmatic side of the Salesforce platform. And the architect track sessions will include Salesforce certified technical architect program intros, training, board exam prep, and more. The configurator track sessions will dive into Salesforce platform advanced declarative development, so click dev, process automation, and some code. Uh, Whether you know the power of the Salesforce platform, are a seasoned developer, and want more, or you're just starting out, there'll be lots of takeaways. Again, it's in Phoenix, and it's January 17th and 18th, and for details, you can go to cactusforce.com. Tickets are $125, which I think is a bargain, and uh, yeah, check it out. I, I believe Call for Papers is closed, but if you, you know, have a burning desire and you think you have something to add and you want, you wouldn't uh, want to consider still being a speaker. Um, maybe shoot them an email and, uh, they might listen, but, but that window is closing really, really fast. So what if I want to speak, <clears throat> well, you should reach out. I can put you in touch. <laughs> oh, I, I got connections. I know people. No, oh, I know you do. You got more connections than I do, John. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You can, uh, if, if you do, um, if you feel like you've, you've, you want to try to slip in here at the last minute and you, and you've got something um, already put together and you know, you think you uh, can contribute, shoot an email to hello at cactus Can I just
0: rant about what I've been doing for the last six months?
1: <laughs> I mean, if it's valuable, no, it's not valuable. Okay. Then, then no. <laughs> not valuable. no, you can't. Sorry.
0: <clears throat> no, but I am seriously trying to, get out to Phoenix next month. I have a new
1: baby niece that I need to go visit and maybe I'll get this to go inside. Yeah, I know you had some some family there still, so. A, a good way to, to do a personal trip on the company dime. Or make oh. it, at least make it tax deductible. No, my company's cheap. We don't do that stuff. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, you know, you gotta, you gotta make your case, John, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Make a case. Just right now I'm trying to get this code into shape. <laughs>
0: I don't have the luxury anyways that's good that's awesome I'll I'll definitely keep that in mind because I I might get that to coincide it might be the only way I can fit in a conference next year I don't even think I'll be able to go to TDX
1: at all so really Um, they haven't announced dates for it have they I don't know I just I just know Um, just that's usually spring March or something like that Yeah,
0: for sure you're already ruling it out huh I have to why just work and everything else Hmm. yeah i just i don't think it's gonna be possible man well we'll just see how how things go but i'm just i'm right now i'm not i just don't think i'll be able to make it yeah as much as i really would like to well everyone
1: pressure john to go (laughs) that's fine um i have another quick throwaway thing here i just thought it was funny somebody sent this to me um this person was using Tinder. It was not me, by the way. Oh, so asking for a friend. Yeah, asking yeah. for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a little, I, and I didn't even know Tinder had ads until this person told me this. But, um, and I'm, I'm assuming that as you're swiping through, like every once in a while, and it'll be, instead of a person come up, it's an ad. Mm-hmm. And Salesforce runs ads on Twitter. Or not Twitter, sorry, Tinder.
0: Well, of course.
1: And it's like, yeah, it's, it's uh, hashtag swipe left on, on Salesforce. <laughs> Are you supposed to, on Tinder, you're supposed to swipe right, right?
0: So I, you're like, asking the wrong person, okay.
1: actually. I'm assuming since this thing says, and I didn't make this up. Someone sent me this, the hashtag swipe left on Salesforce. I'm assuming left is good, and right is pass. But I don't, okay. I, I don't know.
0: I was just wondering because the other day I was sitting at an office clearing my email, and I have swipes on my email, and I'm just sitting there swiping right to delete those all that spam email, and I had like 50 to get through
1: your email. What kind of email app do you have that lets you do swipes? Uh, Spark. Oh, Spark. Yeah. Is that mobile? Yeah. It's mobile uh, and desktop. C- can we use that as a as a um, segue into talking about Salesforce and uh, Salesforce on via a mobile browser? Sure. It's our show. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> I think. This, I think they. <laughs> I think they officially announced this at Dreamforce, but but I think people are just now just kind of discovering it. But apparently, um, if you use Salesforce on your mobile phone. Mm -hmm. Uh, up until this point, you've been able to, you know, lightning is mobile responsive, I guess. So you've been able to use it on your phone. Um, but they've just, they've now disabled that. So if you.
0: Cause aren't they moving to an explicit mobile lightning pages that you're supposed to have? Cause I think all that piggybacks off of just normal lightning technology. Like there's nothing special on their servers about it. It's just lightning. Um, like all the in Outlook integration stuff, that's all Lightning Out stuff, from what I understand. So whenever you're in, you're in your Outlook and you have that little light, sad bar for your sad bar sidebar, it is sidebar with all that. That's bar. all Lightning Out, from what I understand. Um, I have no idea. what So you're it's talking not like about. it's
1: not like a special internal application that runs. I, I guess what I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm following you, but what I, I guess maybe I wasn't clear. If you if you like say you your phone you pull up mobile Safari right and you log into Salesforce in the, through the browser yeah like that has worked up until now yeah and I think all that's going away yeah yeah and I think they've like, they've turned it off well what happens apparently now when you log into Salesforce on your mobile phone is it it uh, puts you in a classic back into classic which is weird it's like so classic is better for mobile than Lightning is I mean I'm not sure what the message is there it's, the it's a weird message stop using browsers and use our app I, I think the message is mm. it turns out it's really hard to make. Um, mobile responsive. And then I actually wanted to use this and and not to say that Salesforce, you know, isn't up for the task or anything. It's, it's, maybe it's just that they've decided, well, you know, even Salesforce has limited resources, right? Um, We, we already have a mobile app. And so we don't want to go through the engineering effort to keep trying to make our desk, our desktop app mobile, mobile, you know, friendly or, or mobile responsive to the point that it's a QA'd proper experience on mobile. Yeah. Maybe Because that's a lot of engineering time. It is. Um, yeah. But I kind of thought it'd be an interesting discussion because Salesforce made this decision, and I want to talk about the state of mobile responsive websites. Is it still a good idea? How are people doing? Um, is it good enough, or do we need apps? When do we need apps versus just uh, when a mobile responsive experience is okay?
0: I mean, I think mobile responsive is still a viable option but not for applications i think applications as we know them web applications in general just should not be mobile <gasps> responsive i mean they can be i just i just think that and i've always had this problem with it and this is why i've always thought that the web was not good for applications even going way back when when i said it just wasn't going to be a thing and yeah. here i am You're building like, on
1: a what's all this web enabled crap web enabled <laughs> <laughs> you, you hated that term <laughs> i did i do I still well do. actually. Because back in the day, man, they would take like Microsoft Access and then make it web-enabled, and it would be such crap. Yeah, it would. And I'm picking on Access, but there were a lot of things that they would take a desktop app and somehow like bring some like embed an in the server, or (laughs) either either embed a crappy browser in it, or they would try to embed a whole Windows app inside an ActiveX control in the in Internet Explorer. Yeah. Those were some bad days, man.
0: But that was, that's not even what I was talking about. I was still referring to the to the HTML JavaScript, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just all those all those things were really chatty. There's a fair amount of data and you basically had to make trade-offs in your application experience to fit mobile because back when mobile responsiveness was coming around, the best practice became mobile first because you know, you got to design for that small form factor, you got to design for that limited amount of bandwidth
1: for data. And you design for that, and then you expand as you get bigger. Don't you feel like there's just been a lot of like virtue signaling around mobile first? Like, I mean, Salesforce says they've used the term mobile first for years now, and clearly, Lightning is not mobile first. Well, I think for it's for, been mobile acceptable, kind of probably, you know, but it's not mobile first. And I think what, what they're saying now is that that's just not a sustainable approach.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure. I, I don't, was, buzzword, and I think but, I agree with that. I think it was a buzzword that they used for sure in their marketing, and it just didn't apply. I think you know web web browse web applic not web applications but websites you know marketing sites brochures whatever you want to call them those can benefit from from responsive totally agree. design and right. those can benefit from the because re- it's it's relatively first met, uh,
1: mantra but yeah because it's it's kind of it's relatively simple I mean yeah yeah they're, so they're instead, instead of three static. column instead of three columns you'll it'll it'll collapse onto one column yeah. and you know it's a predictable order things go in and you know then your 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 menu that used to go across the screen now is in the mm-hmm. little hamburger icon you know it's the patterns are well defined it's pretty yeah. simple but i but I've always thought that people way oversold mobile responsiveness like yeah it's okay for simple things but I mean I think people have seen too many transformers movies and they think that you know things can just magically yeah. Trans- transform from one really complicated thing into some other completely different complicated thing via CSS algorithms. So it's like, no, that's no.
0: it's not that powerful. And not even at its most simple level, which is trying to get a an image to be responsive. I mean, that, that's still a problem. I, and there might be some new stuff in the HTML5 or whatever the next iteration was that it's, it's solving some of that, but some of the different iterations that went through to try to solve for just how to grab the right size of image I mean, you obviously don't want to grab a huge image that's meant for desktop and huge bandwidth no, on a mobile the, device. So okay, you this, want to grab something smaller. Right. But now you've got different form factors. Now you've yes. got phones with retina. Yep. And that had <laughs> that had to be almost the same image as the thing. So you can't just go mobile. Now you have to know what type of phone it is. And now you have to do all this kind of stuff. Dude, the stuff and around. all people wanted was a tag that said, let me just tell you what what I support in this tag because they wanted someone else to figure all that out. It's just,
1: it was a tough problem. Yeah, and the, the, the modern... Um... Like responsive image stuff is mm-hmm. just crazy. I mean, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I guess for people who do that, you know, work with basically web designers who are doing this every day, it's like, it's probably relatively simple for them. But I mean, there's all kinds of crazy uh, responsive image stuff nowadays. Well, it gets crazy
0: because it depends on what your architecture is. You're either generating the, the page server side, in which case you can kind of tell it what image to, to send back. But you still need to do that based on device information, right? You do. And okay. a lot of times that means either having it generating custom css or generating your html that has the the pointer to the right file size Mm -hmm. um or you're implementing some kind of javascript solution which kind of sucks because then you kind of lose out on the ability to kind of gzip all that stuff and send it in one transaction now you have all these kind of things pinging the server saying oh i need this image i need this type of image so then you had people started going back to some kind of sprite technology where it would you would Ping it and get back a, a whole package of images based on whatever browser you needed and stuff. And it yeah, was those just, are considered uh, th- that's now that's now an anti-pattern. Sprites for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It it got crazy. I mean, it was it was fun. It was fun to see all these different ideas being thrown out there. It's fun to see people trying different things and tr- ways to solve for this. And
1: well, it doesn't. I swear, there's there's a lot of responsive image stuff built into HTML nowadays, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I just yeah. I haven't kept up with it in, in the last
0: year or so. I think, um, uh, but I remember I, I remember do. I, is it like image sets or what? What is the... What's like that? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 dangerous with CSS. I know what I want stuff to look like, and I, but I usually have to go look crap up every time I need to do something. Have you? How that. are you? Are you, are you caught up with like, um, uh, flexbox and CSS grid? Have you? I still haven't done any CSS grid stuff. I mean, other than just playing with it. But apparently, I'm, I think the support's good enough now that you can, you can, you can do grid.
0: Yeah, I, 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 if you asked me that last year, I would have said I was caught up, but I haven't touched it since last year. So I've primi- primarily been focused on Salesforce's
1: implementation of it, which is the layout grid. Do um, what is it? Let's, let's say you're a Salesforce developer, John, and uh-huh. you um, you know, you're a Lightning Web Component developer. Uh-huh. Do you care about Flexbox and grid? How does this affect your life? I mean, you can
0: you you can you can care about it, but okay. a lot of times it's easier and more productive just to use the lightning layout tag, and it does all the flexbox stuff. Okay, part. so it's okay.
1: So that's, so you still I, you, that's a, it still helps to okay. understand
0: under the underlying framework behind it because right. that's really what it is. Mm. Um, so I still use it. It's just I don't I haven't written CSS flexbox in forever because this component takes care of it for
1: me. So I'm not mm. up to speed with all the latest and greatest of it. Auto magic. Yeah. 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 I do that too. Like I use this. I've been. i using this framework called Bulma, which is uh, B U L M A. It's just a CSS, I guess. I guess framework. I don't even know what you call I it. I think you've talked about that before. Yeah. It's a Dragon Ball reference. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only, only you know that, John. I feel there like, like there's <laughs> other people
0: on that. I'm not the only
1: <laughs> geek on this on this thing. Um, but it's uh, it's it's almost kind of like a Bootstrap alternative in a way, although. That's 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 not a fair. That's kind of a reductive description of what it is. But it's 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 a CSS framework. But it um yeah it it is uh, flexbox based, mm-hmm. and just by using the various like utility classes and things, you're 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 doing flexbox, but you don't really have to understand flexbox. So still to this day, like I mean, flexbox confuses. It, it's so I, I don't think they they like, they didn't get the words the the concepts right with flexbox. Like yeah. knowing you don't know whether. Like what is it like? Be- like begin and end? Like that might mean left and right. I might mean, I might mean up and down. Like top and bottom. It's just and it depends on. It's just so weird. But like yeah. even and, and I like it when I hear like these people who are CSS masters talk about how they're still they still get completely flummoxed by flexbox because it's yeah and I think it's, too, I it's think like some it's of too, the tags
0: have some overlap or some overriding in the hierarchy. Like one will replace the other or one one won't take into effect if the other one's in play. And it's just it gets really confusing
1: and I have to look it up every time. I mean, it's just one thing that I just. Also, I can tell you this. When I'm, like, debugging my CSS and trying to figure out why something's not positioning the way I want, nowadays, especially if I'm using something like Bulma or one of these, uh, mm-hmm. you know, things, um, it's almost always a, a culprit of Flexbox. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, back in the good old days where you just had you know, you divs and you floated stuff and all that kind of stuff, um, I could, I was really fast at, uh, well, I mean, relatively fast at, at, uh, at, at diagnosing what, you know, why something's not positioning right and then fixing it. Um, I hate Now it's, uh, I hate it. Uh, yeah. It just, but I, I, you know,
0: once you, you it, it, it took, it, it wasn't just the presentation layer you were
1: manipulating. You had to, you had to, you had to do your markup a certain way uh, like you Your markup did. had to
0: follow a certain, you know order.
1: what? I, we're never going to get away from markup. I mean, there, yeah, the so order of things. There's a little bit more flexibility nowadays, but if, if especially now that we've gone back to the, what's, um, like um, oh uh, gosh, names escape me, but like uh, Tailwind CSS and some of these other um, like tachyons, some of these like utility-based CSS things that are becoming mm-hmm. like way more popular again. I mean, but but they're so coupled to, um, you know, that it, it, I don't know. They're just so coupled to markup and and this this pipe dream of like having markup that whoever generates the markup they don't even care about the design it doesn't matter you should it doesn't you know these are that, separation of concerns this is this is this is oh, bullcrap man <laughs> you're saying bullcrap to separation of concerns in this context yes in this context yeah it's funny yeah. and and you can just you can still separate things to some degree but to, but this pipe dream of there's like complete separation of concerns like you could have one group of people create your markup and another group of people do your i've you know, never this, subscribed this. to that i I mean, that's just, a we'll recipe
0: for disaster, I think.
1: Well, and in, in the in the posters. But it was something that they actively did. They oh, yeah. would have, they would have these, there was these sites, I don't remember what they Zen were, Garden. Yeah, CSS Zen, Zen Garden. Garden. No, i was going to yeah. say, that's the poster child for it. And, and it's, that is unbelievable what people did yep. with, the, everyone had to use the same markup. Yep. And it truly was amazing. It was. Um That being said, on real world projects, it just, it's not a thing, man. I mean. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's easy to do when you have freedom to do whatever you want and create full creative creative control, but when you're actually trying to build something that a client wants to use and they have a certain thing that they need done and needs to interact a certain way, it's those little gotchas of, well, I need it to do this. It has to do this. Mm -hmm. Or we might as well not do it. You know, those are the things that that really get you.
1: (sighs) Yep. Uh, I think think we need to do some, um, not today, but we need to be doing more salesforce technical topics well that leads i mean i was hoping my, that's i listened to my pilot oh good because i was hoping that you know part of your new job also that you'd be able to you know be doing some some you know salesforce techie stuff with all this product stuff you're doing nowadays but that hasn't materialized yet uh, it's because i'm i'm <laughs>
0: uh, 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 sure <laughs> you can't say or i can't say no it's because i'm not doing any Fun new development right now. I'm, right now, I'm trying to wrangle this beast. I'm trying to get it to n- normalize. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how else to, I don't know what analogy I can use. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I'll use the foundation analogy. The foundation's falling apart. I can't, I can't remodel my house because my foundation's all cracked up. I got to fix the foundation. Then I can start remodeling the house. I can, I can redo the kitchen and I can redo the, the bedrooms and the bathrooms and I can give it some nice new tile and everything. Right now, I'm just trying to get the, the foundation level. And so it's, it's been very tedious. It's been very yeah. stressful Yeah. because um, I just see all these mistakes and I'm, I'm literally modifying thousands of lines of code. Yeah. If you look no, back I, at my commits for the last, at least just the two or three weeks alone, it's probably tens, 50,000 lines of code, hundreds of lines. It's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. And it's repetitive because a lot of it's simple stuff. Like all these freaking aura methods had no error handling. They were just letting errors go. And then, in the, and then on the on the on the uh, component side of things it wasn't always catching the errors it was just letting things happen or swallowing it or this stupid thing where they were pulling they were using the window set timeout to delay the execution of a call back to to the server controller mm-hmm. I found out that if that errors and it's not caught properly that method call just hangs it'll sit there in the in the execution call no. so if you open up your lightning window you'll see it's just sitting there Nothing ever gets reported back. Nothing ever happens. It's just sitting there. And so now I'm having to undo all of that crap, Uh, not to mention fix all the security holes because someone thought it was a good idea to build queries on the client side and send it back to the server. Um, So yeah, there's that. But anyways, uh, so do we want to talk about, let's do the community topic first. That way, if the other thing, we run out of time, we can wrap that up pretty quickly. All right. Uh, This one's going to be anonymous because they didn't say we could use their name.
1: But uh, now, see. John, is this someone who wrote into us at our info at gooddacerpodcast.com dot com email address? I am not sure. Okay, because it came to our email, but it came as
0: listener feedback. So I don't know if there's some app that lets you do click listener feedback and send us a message or oh, what. Oh, I wonder if it's a podcast uh, like yeah, what do they call it? Podcatcher or podcast app? Maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Somehow it came in differently than than it normally would
1: have, okay. but it did come to our email. So. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to do the spiel on how to send us topics. Oh, well, yeah. So, uh, speaking of info at gooddaysterpodcast.com, that's how you, dear listener, can send us topics, questions, feedback, complaints, rants, recipes. Ooh, recipes. Yeah. Maybe a recipe for your um, favorite Hellas lager or your favorite, uh, I don't know, uh, i dry Irish stout.
0: Or cocktail. I, I kind of want to get into making some cocktails again. I want to bring some up for you. Anyways, let's get to this topic. Uh, so he says, recently we had a free app that was installed in our org ch- in our org changed from. Okay, <laughs> this is worded weird. <laughs> okay, so recently we had a free app that was installed in our org. It changed from a free to a paid model. We had to drop everything and write a replacement as the new pricing model was exorbitant. For what? Sorry, I missed the first part of it. <clears> oh. <throat> uh, what, Not just what they're running, what the product is. They said in parentheses, I wasn't sure if I was going to say it, but it's uh, Satrang, drag and drop and upload files to Amazon S3. What is this? Is this uh, I'm assuming it's a way to, to upload files to, uh, to Amazon. Okay. From Salesforce or what are we talking about? Yeah, from Salesforce. Okay. That's exactly how it was worded. Okay. Uh, after, uh, let's see. The new pricing model was exorbitant. After they forced the switch switch access to all the objects and thus records was no longer possible. Now this is supposedly a managed package that was installed and they're saying that somehow they switched to this paid model and if you weren't paid then you couldn't access the data which we'll we'll get into. Uh, Thankfully we got the changeover completed in time but I was honestly surprised this was even possible and we can't even push out a new version of the app without manual intervention. And it has me really thinking of the business risk of using any managed package from the App Exchange, since it essentially allows a third party to hold you hostage. What are your well, thoughts? welcome, o- welcome to Software as a Service. <laughs> <laughs> so now down to the real question: What are your thoughts on the use on use of the risks with the App Exchange? That, uh, what are your thoughts on use of the risks? Yeah, that's not worded correctly. <laughs> we, we know what I mean, though. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the risks of using the App Exchange? With the ability of third parties to effectively remove your data with little to no notice, and how to mitigate the risks like this.
1: Well, so I mean, I think uh, in general on these app exchange products, you know, you you need to, I don't know, and, and some of them are small. Even and there's some good ones that are like small companies, but you need to try to evaluate. I mean, who are these people? Try to try to meet them. Have a phone. Have a phone conversation with them. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty. I can. I feel like I'm a pretty good like judge of character. I mean, I can sniff out kind of shady people mm mm-hmm. And so I will I will do that. And there's just yeah, there's apps I absolutely wouldn't touch because I don't trust these people. <clears throat> um, and also you know understand where your data is being stored. Yeah, a lot of these products it's stored right in your and in, right into your own org. And can they take away your access? No. Can they can they forcibly uninstall their package from your org? Not that I'm aware of. Because if so, and your data lived in their custom objects, that might be a problem. But I don't I don't think. That's, you would
0: lose access if your only access was
1: through their app, but an admin with, with see all
0: data should be able to access okay. those, those records. Yeah. And even when you uninstall the app, they, there's still an option for
1: it to keep the data for all that. Available. That's what I thought, right. Um, and in the case of this particular app, which pushed their data up into S3, I'm assuming you own that S3 bucket. I mean, I would, I would want that set up so it's, it's pushing data into an S3 bucket that we own, we control.
0: Well, I think the issue in this particular case is that because that this application was managing the integration between the two systems, that because they essentially disabled it, which they could do with a license, they could say, OK, this license is is expired because you haven't paid for it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the app won't run. So the integration won't run, which means if you click to view your files from S3, you're not going to see them. No, but at least you, you still can have go- access to them and, right. from either side. Mm-hmm. But your users, because they're so
1: used to going through Salesforce to S3. They they don't they're not gonna have access to my it. point at least you, if it's your S3 bucket they can't take that away from you you can at least go to your S3 bucket and like download all the files and do something or you know create, create some kind of other access to them
0: yeah now I think what I think you're right though it really comes down to understanding the vendor and and having some kind of clear communication with them or even if this happened find out why it wasn't communicated why they didn't it give you enough notice um because it seems really odd that they would just kind of be be
1: like okay you have a week. Goodbye, you know. I mean, sometimes people, you know, speaking of uh, having enough, you know, generating enough cash, sometimes when people, when companies get in a cash crunch, they do desperate things, and maybe that's what happened here. Like, hey, we need people to pay more, and let's hold them hostage.
0: I mean, I've, I've seen that happen in the past, and it's it's never been the right thing to do.
1: Oh, I, yeah, I, I agree. But, I mean, it's it's uh, maybe it's a good lesson, you know, or maybe it's a lesson we all can learn from someone else's um, predicament. Yeah, that you really need to understand who you're doing business with, especially when this thing is operating in someone else's infrastructure. Yeah. Well, I think after the fact,
0: I think one thing you can do is definitely go on to the, uh, go on and write a review on the App Exchange about it. That does impact everyone. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Not only consultants, consultants have listings on there too that you can write reviews. Um, ISV vendors have reviews, and yeah, it's it's part of our dashboards. We all see it and it, Salesforce sees it. So definitely, if you had a bad experience with a vendor and it was shady, definitely tell your
1: AE and also write that review. And as much as I think Salesforce is generally trustworthy, you know, disasters happen. And just because your data is in Salesforce, don't don't assume. I mean, you still need a backup of your Salesforce data. You, you yeah. need to be doing your own backup. <laughs> not to not to name a, not no, to name no, an actual no product, yeah. but um, you know, using one of these backup services or or your own or whatever. I mean, I do I, some of these are some of these backup products are are. I think there's a few of them that are fairly decent, pretty nice. They can automate it, and I would strongly look at one of those. And, it, and if nothing else, make sure you're downloading that weekly export. Do the weekly export and download it. Yeah. But I mean, the reality is, it's not really a backup. It's just an extract. There's no it's way better, to restore it. it. No, you're right. It's although it's better than nothing. It is better than nothing. In, in a disaster scenario, it's a lot better than nothing.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, because Salesforce can recover their stuff, but they
1: can't always recover your individual transactions. Yeah, I mean, and again, I mean, what you know, bad things happen occasionally, and sometimes you have bad luck, and mm-hmm. and you need you know you need contingency plans yeah
0: and downloading a zip file with a bunch of csvs that may or may not go back in the way you expect could be a week long month long endeavor to try to figure out how to
1: I actually get don't, that stuff i don't know again. if it's possible so if you took if you took someone's entire org backup or if they came to you with their entire org backup and said hey we're we have a fresh org can you load this in for me well first of all it, you could load some of it but there's certain yeah. things like for example um Case history? Wait, oh, can you load case history? I don't. I can't remember now. But like opportunity stage history, a field history tracking. I don't think you can load those. Yeah, Salesforce might be able to. I don't know, but I doubt it. You I mean, mean, I doubt they're going to put the effort into doing it. But us citizen developers know, we we can't. I <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> no. And it's not only that. I mean,
0: it's 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 a flat file of data, which means you have to manually join that data. So you import your accounts. now You got to get the new IDs and the old IDs match that join that up to your contacts. And get the new IDs. Yeah. And and then and if you have multiple lookups on an object, I mean, it's a it's a migration effort. It is literally just a brand new migration
1: to do a, a yeah. backup restore. Yeah. And I don't even know if these these backup products that are out there, <clears throat> I don't even, I mean, if, if you wanted, like, let's say we were going to get a new org and you just ask them, hey, can you just uh, restore my backup into this new org? Like, I don't even know if they can do that. I, I really don't know the limits of some of these services. I, I've seen the pitch and it sounds pretty nice but i don't know if i don't know if i can go that far or not i don't know it'd be interesting to see yeah but yeah you got to do something have have some plan and know what its limits are even if your plan is just hey we're going to download the weekly export every month it, at least you know that okay in the worst case scenario we've got the data we may not be able to get it in the, back in the sales, in a new salesforce org the way we want it but at least we have it in worst case scenario someone can go you know digging through csv files to find something if if, if it was needed
0: yeah yeah, but uh, you know, in terms of the risk of the app exchange, I, you know, Salesforce does vet everything that goes on there. Everyone has to go through review. Um, it is some level of of protection. It is some level of commitment from the vendors that are that are on there, uh, both financially and also just. I mean, Salesforce. Whenever you go listing, they want to see a review of your business plan and everything. I mean, there's there's some quite a bit of vetting there. So. I wouldn't say it's it's really risky getting stuff from the App exchange, but you still should vet your vendors, understand what they're going to have access to, where that data is ultimately going to be stored, whether or not it's all going to be in Salesforce or if they pull some of it out to another uh, system. Uh, if you're in foreign markets or you have divisions that are in U.S. and other territories, you might want to make sure you understand where that data is stored and any kind of legal requirements that might be around that. So there's there's just things, due diligence, that we all have to do when we're selecting vendors. Yeah. It, just because it's on the platform doesn't mean we're absolved from having to do that work. Um, but in this particular case, it just sounds like this company switched gears on them and left them kind of high and dry. And I think that's it. Write a review. Yep. <laughs> Let people know yeah, about that experience because I, I don't, from what I understand at this point, it sounds like you should have gotten more advanced notice and they probably should have worked with you more instead of having to go through a fire drill.
1: And just remember that yeah, after you download your weekly export, you got to get it back in, back up into the cloud somehow. Yeah did i die no somehow you uploaded yourself to the cloud (laughs) sorry i tried to find a reason to play that (laughs) let's talk social so we can play the other clip i like social (laughs) let's see okay you you talk and i will try to find that i don't know what you're talking about are
0: you interested at all at this article i I think it's just pure clickbait so while you're looking for that i want to say uh this article about did nothing but party during dreamforce what do i tell my manager It'll make stuff up. Yeah. Pretty much. I think that the title is definitely kind of clickbaity. Because uh, as he explains it, it wasn't that he just went and just partied and said, screw the conference. It was just, it's a huge thing. It's tough to get around. Oh, I, it's I, tough I, to
1: meet the sessions. It's. You heard my story about just difficulty and yeah. actually, actually making, you know, making it to sessions and making it worthwhile from that perspective. But even when I went a few <laughs> years ago when it it was big, but maybe not as big as it is today.
0: uh, I went. I I felt the responsibility of coming back with content, and like I said, I got like thirty minutes in some all hands meeting to talk about what I learned and the highlights, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, you know, we we put this pressure on ourselves because the company's spending a ton of money, and we come back and they they want us to spend like thirty minutes talking about it.
1: it it's amazing knowing that um, Salesforce really doesn't announce a lot at Dreamforce, and anything they do announce, it's not like it's not going to be covered in the news. It always is. Yeah and, and the also keynotes, they, they, they're they, usually covered in the keynotes which are put online and not in the keynotes I mean most of the sessions I mean yeah. there's like aren't there hundreds of I, mean, I think it's is it not all the sessions it's almost all the sessions from Dreamforce are available on YouTube I think so yeah so, at least all the Salesforce run ones I don't know about <clears> the <throat> but for some reason you know a hundred and some thousand people still feel the need to go to Dreamforce and it's like well okay considering that you don't have to go to Dreamforce to get any of that stuff why do you go to Dreamforce I think there's a few reasons. One, networking—that's yeah. probably the biggest value I get from it. And the other thing is uh, selling and being sold to. Like everyone wants to sell to everyone. I mean, Dreamforce is what did what did uh, Dan Lyons call it? It's like um, it's uh, sells people selling to salespeople, yeah, selling to sellers. Or something
0: yeah, like that. yeah. Dreamforce could be funny. You know, that that in itself was kind of like a clown show. <laughs> but it is expensive. It's, it's, it's really expensive. It's really expensive. Um, I don't know that I can justify the expense of it. I mean, I think I think if you go in there with the purpose of, I'm going to network or I need to do some selling, go for it, spend that money. It's your marketing budget. You know, it is what it is. I I don't know if I could re- recommend it for someone who's going to learn about Salesforce. I mean, go to TDX, go to one of the world tours, go to, go to some of the, go to Cactus Force, you know, those type of things. Because yeah. I think you'll get more out of it <clears> than you will Dreamforce. Because Dreamforce is really just... It's too big. It's too marketing heavy. It's too sales heavy.
1: I just don't think it's good for people like us who are actually trying to do stuff. I I, I tell you, I do see people doing um, like the hands-on stuff and also the, I don't know what they're called, labs or whatever, but also, you know, going in and taking advantage of like the half price exams and getting a couple of certs while they're there. And
0: No, that's true. I just don't think there's value in
1: spending that
0: god-awful amount on hotels and food because everything is... Well, keep in mind that the... Is in demand. The admission also is $2,000. Yeah, it's just... There are other places to go and other events to go to
1: that won't cost you as much as Dreamforce for that stuff. So I think so. This time admission was two thousand this year, right? Mm-hmm. And I think last time I went to Dreamforce, it was six hundred. <laughs> Seems like it was. No, I, I
0: maybe you got a discount. I don't know.
1: You got an early no because they stopped doing early bird a long time ago. I bet they still did it when we went. And whenever that what, what was that twenty fifteen or sixteen? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it did. You know. Prices always go up. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they do.
0: I don't Yeah. I just, I wouldn't go there for that stuff. Uh, Anyway, so let's get to my topic. Okay. Because we can wrap this up soon. Yep. Uh, So here's my new segment idea. Let me just set it up as an idea. I think one good way for us to kind of pick apart some topics is to pre-announce what we're going to talk about the following week so that we can prepare and get community feedback into it so we're all participating in this conversation. And the way I want to structure this is in a question. How many ways can dot 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 I think is the segment. So mm, how many okay. ways can you, can you uh, execute code on save? How many ways in this particular topic today is how many ways can you mock data? Um, something specific so that we can kind of talk about and do the pros and cons of it. So okay. know, what do you think of that idea? We can pilot it today and see how it goes.
1: I, I like the idea of, of um, you know kind of Incubating or whatever uh, this the material over the course of a week, yeah. But it, I don't know how I don't know how, how often the how many ways will fit to what the topic is, but we'll have to see. I don't know. Maybe there's like a I
0: thought that know. too, and then I, as I kept thinking about, it, I was like, yeah, I could do it on that. I can do it on that. Okay. How many ways can you build a field? How many ways can you add a field to a page layout? It the list is growing. There's a lot of flexibility. The platform's growing. How many ways can you? Can you capture a lead? I mean, it fits in a lot of different ways. That's true. Um, so this this topic was inspired by uh, me struggling with unit testing or integration testing <laughs> because I, I was running to the, the record locking issue where I would run each individual test and it would work perfectly, run a handful of tests, work perfectly, run all my tests, and all of a sudden random ones would start popping off the stack, not completing, not reporting back, or receiving record lock issues. Um, one of the ways I resolved that was with um, ensuring that any index fields I was using were unique enough. So there were some cases, especially since I'm using run as, I'm trying to make sure I'm testing under proper user context, which Salesforce says you should do, but I'm finding out that's a pain in the ass that I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah. Um, I have an admin context, I have a user context, and I, I switch context between the two, but that seems to be stressing the unit test, the test framework a lot. Um, so I'm not, I did a lot of work to make that happen because I do have some very specific requirements of user access and visibility that I want to make sure get covered by testing. But it's turning out to be a pain in my ass. <laughs> um, so anyways, I was going through that exercise, having all those issues, um, trying to resolve it as best I can. Also tried to resolve the issue with um, saving uh, custom settings because that was also apparently an issue with, that would impact your ability to kind of run all your tests. So, I abstracted all those away, and is this a problem with concurrent tests, or what's 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 the that's, sure I, that's what they were saying. They're saying it was an issue with parallel testing, but I turned off the flag for parallel testing. I was still getting those issues, and what were the exact like messages you were getting uh sometimes I just wouldn't get a message. it would just <clears> say <throat> that the method never called back that could have just been an illumina clouds error saying this like test just never just finished, just floated away in the ether, yeah or um, I was getting actual record lock issues, like I could not, you know, record lock, and it would be randomly. Sometimes it would be an opportunity getting created, and I would go through and turn off all automation on the opportunity, run all tests, and it would still fail on it. So it was not like it was something I was doing; it was just something with the way the framework was
1: was working. I feel like record lock issues are a, a leaky abstraction for Salesforce. Like that's one of those things. This is this is a this is a it's not even a platform. Well, I guess it, yeah, Salesforce is kind of a platform as a service, you know, and I, and. It's like one of those things that, especially if you look at, you know, trailhead training and, and what, what, I don't know, the, the different exams you can take and everything. It's like, it's not, really a, it's not really considered a thing, but in real world practice on the Salesforce platform, you, you know, you run across record locking issues and you run across things where like it'll throw an Oracle, literally an Oracle error message at you and stuff like that. And it's like, this is, this is leaky. I shouldn't be seeing this. This is, should not be my problem. This what? is why, this is why I didn't just spin up a, you know, a Postgres database and a, in a Rails app. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I know it's, you know, it's, there's, listen, any, in any ab- abstraction, there's, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be leaks here and there, and there's no such, I mean, the truth is, is that there's actually computers and databases run, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's, uh, you know, may or not be running, you know, running Oracle software on them, right, um, that are, that underpin all this stuff. In, you're going to see it from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not all uh, unicorn farts and pixie dust.
0: Yeah, so I mean I, I was to the point where I had to resolve it and fix it. So that got me into well, maybe I need to really dig in deep and separate separate separation of concerns and split out my unit tests from my integration tests and and try to make that happen. Well, that led me down the road of mocking because in integration testing I need to mock and abstract away the database so that I can send data to where it needs to be. The problem is, so that gets into the how many ways can you mock the system? The system. Um, the system. How, well, how many ways can you mock an integration <laughs> test, I guess, in Salesforce is the question. Uh, the list I came up with is, well, you have the set mock for callouts. So that's one way to, to, to mock. I guess it depends Yeah, it depends on what you're... You have the, what is what running, are you
1: mocking? What are you wanting
0: to mock? I mean... <laughs> Well, yeah, but just in general, how, many, how many different tests? ways can
1: you accomplish mocking in Salesforce for, specifically for integration tests?
0: Sure, because that's the only that's the only valid. So that's that's the other thing I did in my research was like, well, I could try to mock everything, and I'm in I'm in abstraction hell because <laughs> well, I'm also, trying to mock things that I
1: shouldn't be mocking. Apex doesn't have any of the really any of the tools needed to actually mock. Like if you're mocking an Apex class, if you're unit testing an Apex class. And you're going to mock every other collaborating class with that? You you can't do that with. I mean, the only way to do that with Salesforce is to is to code 100% to abstractions. So right. you actually don't ever reference concrete classes. You only reference uh, interfaces and abstract classes, and you have some horrid, complex uh, dependency injection thing that supplies all concrete implementations of everything at runtime. Which, which in itself is a beast because there's no reflection in I've actually seen people try to do all this kind of stuff, and it's a really bad idea
0: because it's just it's too much. It's, yeah. it's, it's, but even then, the, it seems like in the community and the research I've made is the consensus is that mocking should really only involve integration testing. It's the only time you really should be trying to do mocking. Everything else should be uh, pure function or, or what immutable functions that, that don't modify data, that only return values, and thus you should only be doing small unit tests against those to validate the return value. Anything that revol- involves inter- integration, IO, whatever, then it's an opportunity
1: for mocking. But even then, you should be careful how you use and it. This kind of gets to my point that really, like 99% of the time when people talk about unit tests in Salesforce, it's really an integration test. Because it's, even if you want to do unit tests, it's, it's, that's my point, it's hard in Salesforce to isolate units. If you're talking about a cl- the class is the unit, which is when we, and then like Apex, that's what a, that's what the unit is, is the class. It's really hard to isolate because that class probably interacts with, probably does some sock hole queries and maybe, you know, whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. you, you can't isolate that. So, you so that's an, integra- if you're going to test that class, that's an integration test. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And okay. you really have to code, you, you have to code very specifically if you want to try to do uh, actual unit tests. Yeah. And there's a lot of dependency injection. A lot of um, like runtime, uh, like like service lookups or dependency, some kind of uh, inversion of control. Diversion of control. That's a whole different thing. (laughs) (laughs) You're just making stuff up now. I am. Yep, That's true. Just like Kramer does. If Kramer can do it, why can't I? That's true.
0: It works, right? Yeah. So, I mean, my list was pretty short list. I mean, you've only got – because you don't have any dependency injection – uh, and Salesforce knows this. I, I actually went back and researched the stub API and looked back at the videos when they announced the stub API. And it's it's basically them acknowledging that, yeah, we, we can't give you the ability to mock this properly. But we we gave you this as a as a stopgap so that while we work on a better mocking framework. I
1: totally forgot about that. Yeah. How did so I'm curious to know if you if you know. I mean, if, if you know, I'm curious to know like what um, how far that gets you. Or does that even help this? What does that let you mock? Well, it lets you mock a class, but it's kind of convoluted and a, and a
0: method within that class, and it essentially short circuits the method so that it returns your code, your new code for that you wrote specifically for that test. My code, your code, <laughs> um, which by the way, my shirt I just got told is on the way. Oh, nice! Yeah, so I'll have a my code shirt here in a bit. Um, so, if you had a, a method that calculated and you know, added two numbers, uh, and it did it did the math within the method, well, you could mock it so that it would return. A value didn't matter what the calculation did, because you don't care at this point. You're you're doing an integration test. So it would it would sort circuit that. But it you can only do it with public methods. You can't do it with properties, and you can't do it with any static methods. Um, can't do it with any internal classes. So it's it's a very strict subset of things that you can use this stub API with. Yeah. And it requires at least two or three classes, and <laughs> you have to implement bad. your own dependency injection. So essentially any method that is going to interact with that class, you have to pass it into it either at the class level or at the method level. That's, now I remember why I don't use this. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was researching this and I was going, okay, let's let's try the stub API. I did all the examples. I did all the exercises. You know, I created the, I forgot what the examples were, but, you know, some counter example algorithm and some other example algorithm. I was like, okay, I think I understand this. I'm like, well, where can I actually use this? And it just, it got to the part where it was like, this isn't for me. And even they say in the documentation, it's not, for everyone. It's specifically designed for someone who's going to implement a mocking framework. So if you want to implement your own mocking framework, and I'm looking at you financial force lib, because <laughs> that's where this got used. And this I think they were the ones they built it for. Yeah. Um, that's really the only way to use it is just to use someone else's mocking framework. Uh to use it individually on your own, you're going to have to build all the infrastructure needed to be able to use utilize it properly. Yeah. And thus you know, modify all your code to use it. So it turned out to be a dead end for me, but it did get me to the point where I was like, well, how many different ways can I try to do this? Is there other options? And there really wasn't. I mean, there because re- it, it, it all depends on dependency injection. And there's really no good way to do it. There's no good way to reflect on the classes, to reflect no. on methods, yep.
1: to do anything. You're not even the, generics the, or anything. Just the tooling is not there for it. Yep. It just wasn't there. That's why, I mean, I, I've, I've been down all these <clears throat> all these rat holes. Um, they're mainly dead ends. I mean, I've, I've come up with some good solutions. I look back and I'm like, eh, yeah, it was okay. If I did it again, would I do that? Probably not. Um, and I've just gotten to the point where I accept that I'm doing integration tests and that's okay because you can cover all your code with integration tests. Um, you know, the downside of the integration test is, is they're, they're, a little, they're more coarse-grained. So when something does fail, um, it won't punch you to as specific as an area as a unit test will, but that's that's a, that's a, it's a, a trade-off that r- makes a lot of sense on the Salesforce platform. And so I'm okay with integration tests. But, and mainly because, you know, Salesforce does the thing where, you know, every time a test starts, whether you think it's a unit test or integration test or not, it doesn't matter. They are going to start a transaction, drop everything from the database for the most part, and start fresh with a, you know with an empty database, right? And so, and then you can uh, put whatever data in the database you want before your test runs, which is kind of like mocking in a way. It, it it accomplishes in a lot of cases the same end. Yeah, but I think there's a part of the part of the
0: overall infrastructure that makes that very difficult. Like I don't think it's what we think it is. When we use that setup test, I mean, in my mind, what I was thinking was, I'm setting up this test. I mean, I'm in, I'm in my own virtual machine here. I have my own virtual database that's that's unique to this test class where I'm doing the setup, and everything I'm doing is only affected by this class. I don't think that's the case. I think there, I think there's other parts of the system that they couldn't abstract away, like like the indexers is what I'm thinking specifically. No, all the yeah. indexers, <clears throat> which also another um. Contributing thing to that is the fact that you can't do social searches, that you have to provide it the data. Oh, you have to yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. pre-market all the data. Yep. I think it's because those indexers can't be split off from the yeah, system. They can't be isolated. Because
1: they're separate from the relational database. And, 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 and they're, non, they're non-transactional. That's the problem. Right. That what The beauty of, of kind of how Salesforce does this whole, um, your, your tests run in a blank database for the most part, is that it's a transactional database. Right. So they mm-hmm. just, you know, it's an Oracle thing or any trans, it's the same concept on any transactional database. You know, you can, they can start a transaction, drop everything, and then have you run all your stuff. And then when they're done, they just roll the transaction back. Yeah, And it all happened in a, a kind of a fairy tale transaction line that never gets committed. Right. So that's great. Um, you know, and they're essentially outsourcing this to the database, mm-hmm. the, all this functionality. But the indexer is... Extra transactional, it happens outside of transactions. It's probably not even an Oracle product. It's probably, you know, lucene or one of these, you know, one of these things, and and they they don't they don't play nice with that, and so that's probably why it causes problems. And 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 there's other things too, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of things with Salesforce that run, um, that run in, um, you know, in memory key value stores. They might run in like what is uh what does Einstein Analytics run in on? It's um. Oh, it's like right. um, HBase or something, you know. Yeah. I mean, there, anyway, I mean, but my point is, Salesforce uses all. There's all kinds of different data stores, both disk-based and memory-based, all kinds of stuff that are separate from the core relational transaction, uh, you know, database yeah. and um, anything outside of that. Yeah, it's gonna. It's probably gonna be a problem with tests. Yeah, I, that leads me to believe that I think Salesforce's solution
0: to that isn't continuing to invest in ways to abstract our tests from it but instead to give us a better mocking framework a way to essentially provide that data that it's going to query in in a way that, that we can use
1: because I don't think there's going to be a way for them to do that and of course the thing I would say is like you know because <clears throat> my, like my for example my favorite uh, Java mocking framework is jmockit which I don't understand why it's not the leading one because it's better than all the other ones I thought ones. it was the leading one No, nah, it's not Mockito
0: is the leading Markito's one big yeah
1: yeah um, and in some ways, Makido and some of these other ones have caught up to uh, to JMocker, but JMocker was so leading edge. Um, but, you know, they, starting with, gosh, back in, I think, Java 5 or 6, um, and JMocker, I believe, was the first one, but they tied in as a, as a VM agent. So, as, literally, as class gets, classes get loaded into the VM, it's like changing them and instrumenting them to be mockable. And so you can mock every, I mean, JMocker was the first one that also, you can you could do statics and private and all kinds of stuff, right? Mm. Um, And, of course, as a part of a good unit testing or a a mocking framework, the API that the developer uses to set up these things is very nice. It's really nice. Nice kind of fluent API. Sentence-based, yeah. 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 and and so of course my thing's going to be well, You know, they should just do that with Apex, have something similar to that, or have them just let us do Java or something. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, and I'm sure Chris Peterson could explain to you all the reasons why. But you know that digging. Down, I mean, having anything, having your, having my code, uh, you know, <laughs> operate at the at the at the Java virtual machine agent level is you know a security catastrophe. You know, they could never do that. They'd have to have some other way to do that. And it's just, and it's just kind of. I don't know, it's like out of scope in a way. It's like it's just not even really, a. Th- I don't know how they would do it, but uh, it would have to be something net new engineer. They, they couldn't look at, it. they could look at other mocking frameworks for inspiration, just maybe on how they're used and what that API looks like and things like that. They could prove that, and also they can, they can also improve the Apex language itself. Um, but in terms of actually, <clears throat> you know, the, the low level things that needs to be done for things to be mocked, Is they'd have to come up with totally new ways of doing that, Um, and that's would be great. But I mean, I think there's just there's so many things higher on their list than that. I don't know. I I thought I
0: heard that that mocking is something that they're seriously looking at as as something. Well, I mean, considering they've already
1: shipped a mocking solution, I mean, you you know, they're at least thinking about it, and and there's a huge need for it. It's just you know they, they they they've got proprietary technology, so it's completely on them to enhance it and to keep it up to up to snuff and that's just really hard yeah because they don't have a whole i mean they, they don't have the, the the world of open source contributors helping them build it because it's all private and proprietary you so it's all on them you know and they can only do so much i mean they you know talk to any of them you go to go to the you know the any of these uh like Dreamforce. they do the the kind of ask the developers or whatever and they're just the thing that just is super clear every time i go to one of those it's just like wow they're just really limited on people. Well, yeah, I mean, it's limited on good people because obviously these
0: these type of problems are hard to solve. They're not easy yeah, problems. Yeah. It's not like you can toss a few people at it and say, "Hey, go, go data entry these this code for a bit, and we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll make some advancements."
1: It, they're getting to the hard stuff. And I and I kind of like that. That's why I think a lot of people the approach of this evergreen initiative um, is a little bit of a breath of fresh air because it's it's um, it's not yet another new proprietary thing. It's like, hey, we're going to let you run like. Real languages. With why, why do I feel like this is?
0: I feel a bit of a deja vu to that VMware announcement. Oh, um I forgot what that was. VM Force.
1: VM Force. Yes. It was. Yeah. Because uh, it was. Well, it was. Um, it was. Uh, it was announced. It was something, VMware. and
0: we all believed it was something else, it was, and it turned out to be something completely different. I don't remember. What no, it they. Was. They
1: just. They. John. It just never got. It never shipped, and it was never to be spoken of. There was no announcement that like, yeah, we're not going to do this or whatever. It was just like, kind of just went away. They announced it, and it was exciting, and then just, I don't know, faded away. Yeah.
0: Well, I hope this doesn't fade away. <laughs> well, actually, you know, I, I don't know enough about it to know whether or not I want it to fade away or not. I really need to know more about it. Yeah. I, I've only heard what you've said about it. I've only heard what a few people have kind of mentioned about it. Oh, but you I really Evergreen? Need, Yeah. I oh, really okay, need yeah, to yeah. dig in and study it and understand what it is they're attempting to do, and then after that, understand what it really does.
1: I, I think, I, well, I think Evergreen will happen. I mean, VM Force was back in the day. <clears throat> yeah, that, that was so long ago. I mean, that was, was that 10 years ago? Had to be. Maybe. They'd have, a, they'd, there'd be a lot of uh, backpending to do if, if Evergreen doesn't ship. You think? Oh, yeah. It was the biggest announcement from a developer perspective at Dreamforce. That's true. Of course, VM Force was too, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we can only hope and pray. Yeah.
0: All right, so continuing my, on my pilot, I think next week I'd like to talk about uh, automation. Um, I think we have a lot of different options these days. We have process builder, we have workflow, we have flows. Um, next, uh, something that's in the new release notes is a, a new flow that can get executed and it will run in a before context, which I think will be huge. However... I think those of us who have been developing before triggers need to help those who are going to start using flows understand what not to do in before context. Um, uh, We have platform events. I just just don't get involved with
1: flows. I don't do them. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I avoid them. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. And they're they're not for everyone. (laughs) This, you know.
0: Yep. No. You know, some people just can't handle them. I mean, if that's the tool that you've got, use it. You know, but (laughs) Um, we, yeah. So we have platform events and, and things like that. So I think there's a lot of different ways that we can execute code from an automated perspective or through some kind of triggering event system. And I think that would be a pretty good topic to talk about and maybe
1: get that, some pros yeah, and Yeah, that, that's like the lowest hanging fruit of this. Of this, I'm trying pattern. to make yeah. it easy to see how it works. <laughs> but the question, I mean, so so, what is the goal here? Just to, to name all the different ways you can automate something or to figure out which one's better? What, what are we doing here? Because, I mean, we can name like the... No, to, to talk about them, to, to dig in and figure out what the pros and cons are for each one of
0: those. You know, what's what's the pros and cons of using Process Builder? for all your automation. What's yeah. the pros and cons of using platform events? Have you used platform events? Yeah. You have lessons learned from it. I, I, I It's, again, this is just me trying yeah. to figure out a way to talk about certain things and give everyone advance
1: notice of what we're going to talk that's, about no, that's, and get true. Some that's good. It's just each one of those, each one of those in and of themselves, I think are huge topics that, Good, then we'll spread them out over a couple uh-huh. of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so, actually. That's not a bad idea. You know, it uh, this we, is this we is could fast have an, and loose. An ongoing series, John.
0: Maybe. I just I like you said series. I really want to get into the meat of some of these topics and I figured if we can pre announce them and, and get some engagement from the community, it could make things pretty good.
1: Yeah. No, that's interesting. I like that. Any any uh any any ways that we can collaborate more? I've got ideas. I've got other ideas too, but I, they're they're not baked enough yet. But I'll I don't know. We'll talk about it. The way you said awesome. it, I heard I have got information. Yes. Oh, There you go. <laughs> it's just the way you said it. <clears throat> All right, John. Oh, I was I was I had this song ready to go for you, but I thought you were going to do a social thing earlier. You know what? That's a good segue
0: into how you can get social with the good day, sir. I've got. In- I've got. I.
1: <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm just playing now. No, I'm, I'm queuing you up to talk about Slack. Okay, I'm queued. I'm supposed to talk about Slack. I'm so confused. Oh, I see. Sorry, I'm dense. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, dear listener. By the way, dear listener, our Slack uh, group is now over, I think it's 900 people. We've surpassed the 900 mark. <clears throat> but yeah, we have a, we have a, this, this, that's where this community uh, kind of meets online is, is in our Slack uh, team. I'm okay. adding someone right? Now. Yeah. Speak. Awesome. And uh, yeah, check it out. If, if you're not in there, um, please consider uh, joining yourself and uh, participating. Or just, you can just lurk too. That's fine. Whatever. Um, but you do that by going to com and clicking on community and uh, you will get added.
0: I do need to change our form though and at least put a note on there that I do have <laughs> to add everyone manually. So right. Sometimes I see uh, duplicate uh, oh, tries because huh. I, I just didn't get to it. Yep. And I see the time span. I'm like, oh, they think I they, they didn't right. do it right. They didn't do something right. <laughs> yeah. It didn't go through. Yeah. And I would love to send a confirmation email that says, hey, we got your email. We'll let you in. But then I have to pay. And I'm already paying for a ton of services. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to pay. Anymore. It's not in our budget.
1: <laughs> it's not in the budget. So, <clears throat> uh, Yeah. So, <clears throat> All right. Um, are we are we done? We're done. That's all I got. Okay. Um, yeah, we talked couple. about the, the email address, the Slack. Um, yeah, share us with your friends. That's how this uh, thing works. Cactusforce.com if you're interested. It's in Phoenix, January 16th and 17th. So, sorry, 17th and 19th. All right, John. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir!